Welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm your host, Rich Pasqua, founder and CEO of ARC. Each week we unpack the Web3 revolution. Join us as we discover and explore the people, projects, and visionaries building the trusted web. Hello everyone and welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm your host, Rich Pasqua, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Skye. We're thrilled to have Jonathan Vesopoulos with us today, former vice president and global head of music of Roblox, and now the new CEO of Napster. Jonathan is ready to usher in a new era for Napster, utilizing the power of Web3. And we can't wait to dive in and learn more about your vision for the company. Jonathan, thank you so much for being us, with us today. Thank you, Rich and, uh, and Matt. Nice to be here. And that was a great opening. Um, <laughs> you're, you're hired on the on the comm side. Um, so, uh, so yeah, no, happy to, to give maybe a an, an overview of um, I've been on the job for a month or so. So I'm happy to maybe start with with kind of why uh, why Napster uh, in terms of moving to the company. If that if that's a good place to start, or you, you guys are the host. You yeah, tell me. no, we would love we would love to hear uh, why Napster. And and you have an interesting background because you were at Napster. So maybe kind of tell us a little bit about that journey and how you ended up back again. Yeah. So. Um, I think post Roblox at Roblox, we had a, a good run um, from private to public company and um, and looked after music in the metaverse and took that from kind of zero to two. Uh, so I think coming out of, of Roblox, I was generally looking to to attempt to retire and was sitting on some boards and but was still looking at as the metaverse became, um, you know, with the rebranding of Facebook to Meta popular in at the end of last year. And every company, public and private, wanted to have a metaverse plan that then rolled into a Web3 plan, as you guys are in the business of unpacking. I think there was a lot of um, blending between the two. I felt we've made some progress in kind of music in the metaverse. And then I was just looking at public and private companies, um, usual suspects, and a lot of like, you know, Web3 on the gaming side in terms of private companies. It felt like music um, was an underinvested in category. So Web3 gaming last year took about $4 billion um, it's used to take about 10 billion in investment this year, where Web3 Music was more in the, the kind of two, $300 million range last year mm. and probably will be less this year. So in, in looking at the different opportunities, um, it felt like music, although more complicated because it involves rights, maybe kept some investors away, um, where it was easier in gaming to drop 50 million into a company. And you, me and Rich like worked on this title back in the 90s when you get the game together and you know, but it's generally very cost and cost, um, you know, intensive to build a game, 30, 50 million, and then you have to wait, hopefully, for it to be a success. So music, more complicated. But the great thing about music is you have millions of mini brands that already exist, in some cases, big brands with thousands of fans. So I think as I was looking at opportunities, um, music felt like an interesting space. I come from music. And then, Rich, to your point, I did have a, a history with Napster. So this T-shirt is 21 years uh, old. It has been washed uh, a number of times. <laughs> and... Um, you know, so I worked when I was at Bertelsmann back in the day. We lent Napster, original Napster, the peer-to-peer -peer network, um, 50 million to try and uh, legitimize it and offered a billion dollars to the music industry um, to uh, to license the service. And we had a bunch of new companies and features that we were adding into the community of Napster to create what would be then Napster 2.0. Um, that didn't get across the line. Uh, my boss was a, um, a, a German guy, which is a story for another time. But anyway, we nearly got there. Um, and uh, so that always stayed with me. And one of my colleagues went off to a little company called Apple 
and has been running oh, Apple yeah. Music for a number of years. So it kind of opened up uh, streaming as an opportunity and then launched a music service at AT&T when I was there, the first mobile music one. So I think being back at Roblox, um, you know, politely, I was talking about the streaming services as being a little antisocial by design, et cetera, et cetera. And what we were doing in the metaverse was inherently very community driven and taking advantage of new technologies and really doubling down on that relationship between artist and fan. So I think coming out, um, seeing a company that in a downturn that we're in now or a reset where a lot of the big companies um, are challenged. And I think a lot of new companies are being born for a next 20 year cycle. Having a company that had a strong brand personally and in the market, we reached 80 million people back in the day. So all of us lot kind of, you know, 30 to let's say 45 demo is still very strong. Um, in the brand affinity, having, um, you know, global rights that we had as a service. So the big belief is that the success in Web3 will not be a, probably not be a, a net new company, will be more of this hybrid um, where fans will have things that they already know and like doing, like streaming, but not just new, streaming all the things that they uh, are used to doing or um, and then adding in new features. So it had that. We paid, you know, north of a billion dollars to the music industry and then having great new investors who have deep expertise in TradFi and, you know, and, and Web3 felt like a winning combination to, to jump to. So for, for that sort of, you know, combination of reasons, um, I made the jump a month ago and just come back from a kind of three-week tour in, in Singapore and doing some press out there and then and then London seeing the team and now back in Nashville. Fantastic. What's the global reception like? Just curious. So there was a lot of, I don't know if this is a late night show with, uh, with bleeps, but <laughs> there were a lot of like, you know, from New York to Singapore to London, you know, there were like New York tax shows that shouting, you're fucking yeah, man, like Napster, right? So there, there, there's a lot of, and then in the Telegram community, you know, at the event, there was a token 2049 in Singapore. So there were a, a bunch of people at the different events and parties and speaking on stage who wanted to grab a picture and it, like I remember the brand. And then, you know, so there, I think there was a lot of uh, affinity because the irony with Napster as a brand, it was kind of a Web3 brand before Web3 was a glint in yeah anyone's eyes it was about you know revolution it was about decentralized it was about technology you know innovating different sectors um so uh, so yeah i think the reception has been strong and i think it needs you know in the web3 space specifically in music it needs an aggregating brand to, to bring together a lot of fantastic um projects i think that have happened with maybe a two million bit of funding and a five million bit of funding so i think coming together under a brand um, that the industry knows and trusts and that, you know, a set of consumers have an affinity to, I think it is a great um, opportunity kind of to step it from the investor era, you know, where people have been experimenting more on a higher ARPU niche basis, so less people spending more to more of this mass market consumer experience where you've got hundreds of millions of people spending, you know, smaller amounts, $2, $5, $10, as opposed to tens of thousands of dollars as we've been. So that was, um, yeah, the, the reception's been good so far. Yeah, it is a bit nostalgic, especially for me. I mean, it was the first foray into file sharing in a, in a sense, right? Or decentralized, you know, file sharing. Um, so there is a kind of a soft spot for, for Napster. Uh, I can speak for myself, but oh, others, yeah, sure. I'm sure, feel the same way, and so, so does Matt. Um, so we, we love the reinvention of Atari and, and these epic brands that – kind of filled our, 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 you know, youth. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting to see. Uh, one thing we're really interested in, Jonathan, is understanding 
Um, having led, you know, Roblox for, you know, their music, their whole music end of things, um, what concepts will you borrow, maybe riff on or build upon for Napster? Yeah, so n number one, I think, is the realization that there's been an artificial cap on what music fans, which are all of us presumably as well, are willing to spend related to the artists and bands that they love. So I think the the 999, which ironically was invented, so Napster is on top of a service called Rhapsody, which some of us may remember was the first music service back in 2001. <laughs> I do, yep. yeah. yeah, so, yeah. So, so we as a company spearheaded the whole notion of a 999 service 20 years ago. I think the feeling is it's 20 years later, more should be done around that. So I think fans are willing to pay more than the artificial amount of a 999 or 1299 or whatever the number is. And I think we found that at Roblox where a lot of the, uh, the new commercial revenue that we delivered to, to artists was not around their music. It was around kind of fandom related between them and their, um, their, all their millions of fans. So it was around virtual merchandise. Um, so little Nas X, it was little virtual backpacks and kind of, you know, self-expression, um, items, um, the uh, Royal Blood guys, the little little boom, you know, guitars and and little little amps that you could pull around. So and, and Zara Larson. So a lot of it was um, self-expression, which weirdly weirdly goes back. I used to work at AT and T a number of years ago, and we generated you know these ringtones and wallpapers, which everyone was like, "How on earth did that happen? Why would people pay more for less?" <laughs> it was around this self-expression, um, and also I think weirdly similar to the blockchain. Now it was a new payment. Uh, opportunity where you could do microtransactions on mobile, whereas on the web it was more uh, challenged. So I think there are there are weird similarities in some everything old is new again. Um, where so that part of the playbook of, of focusing on the artist and fan, um, unlocking you know exciting money can't buy uh, experiences that can be done virtually that that fans would never maybe like we did meet and greets with glass animals and whole bunch of different artists where you could hang out in a virtual space with your favorite artist. And the, and the, <laughs> a lot of the fans would, would realize that eventually it's like, are you really glass animals? It's like, yeah, we're really glass animals. And then they like lose their minds and they'd be taking like virtual screenshot selfies and posting them to social media. So I think that the notion that um, as more of our lives are being lived virtually, especially for Gen, Gen Alpha, um, yeah. that these experiences that so my kids are 10 and 12. Um, and I think, you know, their first ever concert, as they tell everyone, was the Lars X, and that was a virtual concert. So for them, there's no real difference between a virtual event and a physical event. Um, so the opportunity for artists to grow beyond the physical restrictions of having to do a physical tour, which is really how they would reach the super fans and then have merch at these tours. But when you really think about it, it's a tiny slice of, of, of people in the world and, and potential fans. Um, so 40 million fans, you know, attending the little Nas X event, you know, maybe on a, on a good year, if he's doing really well, it will reach hundreds of thousands of, of paying, you know, tour, um, ticketed fans. So it's just a great way for artists to express themselves, reach more, reach more of a fan base, again, lower ticket price, uh, items, um, but generating new revenue around fandom. So that, that playbook, you know, Rich, we, we definitely feel we can continue. And I think with the gaming platforms, music will always be a, um, you know, a kind of a sideshow or a, or, a, or a second stage experience, quite rightly, because the main experience is around, you know, gaming and, and fostering that as a community. So it feels having a platform where 
we're all about. We're not doing audiobooks. I think some of the more, you know, public music companies are having to go into higher margin products and yeah. SKUs like audiobooks and podcasts because they have shareholders to, to uh, you know, account to. We're in that sort of sweet spot, Goldilocks, where we're not too big, not too small. So we're, we want to be all about fans, all about artists and, and creators um, and be a partner to them to allow them to connect with fans in new and meaningful ways, work out who their super fans are, and then kind of monetize together to make that whole experience more more fun and engaging than, than it has been and more social than it's been yeah. so far. I mean, yeah, I have uh, 14-year-old twins, so <clears throat> they've experienced the virtual concerts in the past, and it, it's actually mind-blowing to see how engaged they are. And then after the fact, they want to kind of join the communities and start to have dialogue around their artists. So it's really about building, yes, the performance is one thing, but the community building is 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 huge. And and Matt and I often, we talk to so many different people, the heads of protocols and blockchains and whatnot, applications and businesses. And, you know, we, we often go down the road, as many people do, into the discussion of the metaverse. And one name, <laughs> two names that come up are Napster and Roblox. And you've been there. You've done it. It's it's it was the foundational, uh, you know, the foundation uh, of Web three or decentralized web. Um, it's really fascinating to see it all come back um, and and really bubble up and and really have a bright sh bright shining light on it. It's really nice. Yeah, and I and I think again with with nomenclature. So, um, you know, I feel with Web three and, and metaverse. So if you squint at, at Roblox and the ecosystem that we had there, we had yeah. Robux. And just because Robux weren't necessarily decentralized on a on a on a chain, they they were effectively, I think, a, a a good microcosm of how the mass market will evolve. Because we had millions of builders, I think a lot of the time now with the different chains, you know, we're still in the era of thousands of developers. Mm -hmm. um, so we had millions of developers uh, as as teams getting paid in Robux, which was our virtual, effectively virtual currency. Um, users were buying in with fiat and and as you know with your with your twins oh yeah every everyone wants a, a robux for for christmas for birthday gift card uh, every so, holiday right so that, that they were thinking consumers in this case the younger generation were thinking in a virtual currency as a prime way of transacting in an ecosystem which was gaming where they spent time and then um all those microtransactions that were being purchased around self-expression because they were spending time there or again, we're in Robux and people would receive Robux as payment. And a lot of the community, the, the sort of, I mean, it's, it's all disclosed, but a lot of people never cashed out their Robux. So it was sort of a liquid ecosystem where if I was going to hire Matt and Rich, you were going to hire me, you know, we, we would transact in Robux. So I, I, I think as an opportunity to, to kind of look around the corner, a lot of the stuff that was done in the quote unquote metaverse, I think once Meta rebranded, there was a little bit more of a blurring of Web3 mm -hmm. and Metaverse, and does a real Metaverse need to be decentralized? I don't think so. Right? So, you know, so I, I think if we switch out, so our, the whole thing I've been banging is the, that the more a company uses buzzwords, the less of a business they have. So I think yeah. the less we can talk about, um, you know, all protocols and, 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 uh, and chains and NFTs and this and that and the other, and we're talking more about fans and membership and, 
and uh, and passion and you know all, all these type of uh, collectibles things are a little bit more human um and uh, i did a panel in in singapore with a guy from socios which i thought was really interesting what they're doing in sports uh, and we spent half the panel just again talking about fandom and membership and what you got you know for uh, for joining the club and so i think it, it more we can humanize it and get away from the jargon i think that's how we move from this investor era to more of a mass market era um where people in the back you know in, in in the back end there are technology happening or there's you know there's happening things happening on the chain but for the consumer experience it shouldn't be too different which is why the napster approach i think is interesting so maybe if you're listening to an artist on napster in a year from now um you could be listening to one track that's being paid traditionally um on a label deal but you could be listening to another track by the same artist that happens to be off label that's directly on chain and and pay differently but as a fan it shouldn't really matter you could be listening to a a collectible you know an nft which is really you know again kind of almost it's what we started with downloads you know 20 plus years ago it's like a unique mm. and then downloads went into streaming so you could be listening to the the version of the the only 10,000 released um tracks that you're listening to the same way you're listening to the stream but the, anyway so i think all of it for the consumer should just be i'm really interested in my favorite band sandline dynamite maybe at the moment and anything i can get around that band i'm consuming in one format that's nice and easy and i can take it with me wherever i go and i don't have to think about where is that little nft sitting right but it's it's more in the cloud and i can just access it in the same way i've been doing up to now so oh. Well, Rich, that's something we talk about a lot is the technology kind of disappearing into the background. And that's really what right. we need to start moving into Web3. And I guess, John, this is something I'm really curious about with with Napster. You know, in, in a sense, you were at the forefront and we've talked about this at the forefront of, of P2P and a lot of what we're seeing in terms of blockchain at Roblox. You've had a lot of proof of concept in terms of uh, currency and in terms of what we talk when we say cryptocurrency. But when you take Napster three and you look at the general streaming space right now, uh, what's what's the compelling reason for someone to switch to Napster? What's the reason for them to say, okay, I'm going to move into this this new way of, of of consuming music? So I think the good thing with the um, music industry, which I love, I started in the nineties, you know, as a DJ and then for for labels. So I'm I'm a, I'm a diehard music fan. But I think the good thing right now in terms of the business of music is there are a lot of very baseline things that could be done better. So some of it, again, is um, if you think about going to a live show, um, those are the super fans. And, you know, I went to see the script when I was in Singapore, good Irish band, everyone's paying 150, 200 bucks a ticket, 7,000 screaming fans singing every every word of every song, and they leave with nothing, right? So that, that we feel is a, is a big opportunity uh, to have redeeming, you know, collectibles and nostalgia things that you you were you were there, um, unlocking things at the venue to maybe get you back. So, so there's a bunch of things I think just in the streaming industry and the and the live industry that have been separate that could be brought together. Um, I think if you really, again, ironically, no one particularly talked about Web two businesses before Web three, right? But now we're yeah. talking about Web three in in context to something that's different. So ago uh, Web two, but really. You know, a lot of the streaming services are kind of Web 1, right? Because Web 2 necessitates community. So I think mm -hmm. there's, there's some basic even Web 2 features of, of music services that you'll start to see in Napster in 2023, where it's more um, of a community like the original Napster, where you could chat and connect with people. It's so inherent to music being a way that we express ourselves and 
especially in the teenage years, that's that's how we have our identity, how we find our our tribes and and friend groups, and and that kind of continues as we as we grow up. So to not have that as a proxy for connecting with people and sharing, and uh, I, I think is a miss. And then again, I think from an artist perspective, you know, as other companies are kind of drifting into more of you know we call like audio consumption services, not really music communities. You know, we'll be doubling down on supporting the artist um, and the fan and providing experiences and tools for the artist to do, to connect with their fans. And then for the fans, having a place where um, not only can I get all the things I'm used to getting, i.e. streaming whatever I want to stream, but I can also get all this cool stuff extra, which I can't get elsewhere. Um, and you, you may see in the future even some virtual kind of little meta worlds from artists like springing up off the back of Napster. So we want it, we want it to be somewhat of a music rabbit hole where you get lost in the bands that you love from a listening perspective, from a consumption perspective, token gated like meet and greets, but maybe also can run around little virtual spaces of the, of the, of the artists that you love wearing your collectibles, maybe that you have purchased um, and you're chatting to people. So it's, you know, it becomes again, much more of this community experience and not just a transactional consumption vehicle where I want to stream the chili peppers now and I can put in the search and play it. Mm. So, so those type of things along with the brand, which will be dialing up again from a consumer's perspective is this is not your grandma's or your dad's music service or whatever. This is, you know, this is the place that this is the revolution and we're all about bands and music and fandom. And this is different. Um, and, uh, the, the cat, the naps, the cat, you'll see more of coming back again, um, kind of building on that original, uh, kind of re rebellious vibe that the that the brand had originally. Awesome, and it, it really sounds like you guys kind of you guys get it. I mean, you've been there before, and to us, we speak a lot about you know what are the next generation of immersive environments or experiences, and it's about the connective tissue, right? So I love the the, the analogy you're using of of artists spinning up their own worlds or planets, if you will, or venues maybe. Um, and you know, there's a connected tissue financially through, through merchandise, through the music, through the entertainment and actual locations. Um, and that's what we see is the kind of the, the future of, of, uh, more of these immersive worlds that are, are coming up. Um, <clears throat> now interesting thing that's been bubbling up in my mind is, you know, Napster is 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 now allowing artists to get closer and closer to to the artists uh the the consumers closer to the artists w do you see the um listeners actually becoming investors in specific artists so not just buying their merch or going to a show but actually maybe funding someone from the early days of their career in a certain sense and that could be donations or actually buying, you know, digital tokens. Yep. So uh, I, I think the general trajectory is you start with the fan, which is kind of where we are now, not in the streaming service era, but let's say in the live sense. So you're in the audience looking at the band on stage. So that's the fan. The, the second evolution of that is to member where maybe you're getting access backstage after the show, meet and greets. And I think the third, the third level uh, or the third evolution is co-creator, or it could be co-investor, right? Where you're actually offering your beats or your, your samples or your, your stems 
and you're participating creatively with the artist, um, or what you could offer could be um, an investment in the artist, which is your point of co so co-creator or co-investor. That I think is a really exciting um, part of all of this, where you know the democratization of other mediums of you think of the TikToks now, which is having its moment. Um, is really community created video, right? I can do something very cost effectively that's then appealing to other people. I can collaborate with other people and that becomes appealing um, on a short form basis. So I think music is inherently um, audio visual as much as it's audio. Uh, and I think a lot of the time working with bands like 21 Pilots, you could see that the artist is thinking, I mean, you know, when we did the experience and show for 21 Pilots, I mean, they were really came to us almost like with an HBO you know, show. It was like a Westworld, right? Because they have so much lore. If you're a fan of the band, um, you know, with the, the bishops and everything that was going on and the outfits and all the symbolism. And so, so I think uh, allowing, you know, the, the fans to be a part of that journey and for artists to connect and create in a kind of 360 manner, you're not limited again to just the three or four minute song. Um, you can collaborate. You could maybe you could do the visuals with an artist you could, and then you could be part of that visual experience you could be a world creator right so if you mm. wanted to create the little meta space with the artist almost like in the beginning of the web so when i was at the label um some of the first people when we were doing websites which is maybe a an early precursor of a virtual world right it was a new way for artists to express themselves um were techies in the community who would come in and go i'm a fan i'll build it and a lot of the, yeah. the early digital people at labels were people who came in through fan clubs or artist communities similar to discord communities now or telegram communities who are passionate about it and just started building out and became partners if you like with the the artists and the management and maybe went on to work at labels so i think a similar cycle will happen of that fan to member to co-creator or co-collaborator if you like or investor um and uh yeah and i think we're just at the ground floor of of all of that and i think if we get it right in music with sort of music artists we see artists, music artists is really multi-hyphenate where they're not again, just doing one thing. They, 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 you look at little Nas X, he's, you know, fashion icon and a model, and he could be a, you know, performer and a singer and a, and a, and a you know, a TV producer and like every, everyone is doing, doing everything. So we think if we can get it right for quote unquote music artists, we think, you know, we can broaden that as the brand to, to more creators uh, and help creators more broadly uh, connect with their fans in meaningful ways and, for fans to have this community where they can connect with each other and, and uh, again, be fans to members, to co-creators and collaborators. I, I, I love that, the whole story, Jonathan, and you're, you're kind of flipping the whole record industry, your recording industry on its head. Whereas, you know, it, it's always been, Oh, I'd love to work with nine inch nails or some, this band or that band or even local bands. Uh, but it's always been this boxed world right? Now you're opening it up and you can have young kids going, well, I would love to be a DJ. How do you do that? Now they can kind of get involved and actually it's the impetus for them to kind of start their own journey in music or visuals or whatnot. So I love that from the base level of just getting younger people into the whole artistic end of the world. Yeah. Uh, and who knows, you know, you're creating music videos, you're maybe creating a video, uh, a video or a, a game or or just the lighting for a show or or something else like that. So and I, really and I cool. think also like on the on the payment options so microtransactions in the modern world uh, within gaming and social and 
uh, are tricky. So I think the the advantage, especially why we, you know, Algorand is one of our our investors, and I think is a they're very high, you know, transaction throughput and never go down and carbon negative, et cetera, et cetera. So if you want to have the ability maybe to license your track that, that you have that you've created with someone or on your own within a game or on social media, right now a lot of the business models are just do it for free because you're getting promotion and you'll make money elsewhere because it's hard to capture that um, dollar or two dollars from a microtransaction basis. I think the the blockchain and the payment backend actually enables um, you know, a whole new micro micro licensing opportunity for artists in a distributed manner, you know, beyond what we have now. And and that was another thing we were looking at in gaming is how can you provide um, you know, if I wanted again, if I'm a creator, generally I was creating a world or a game or an experience in, in Roblox, but if I wanted to be a contributor to just the music part or whatever, how could I get paid, you know, for that? So that we were looking at ways you could buy tracks with Robux, but I think with the, um, if you can buy them with tokens and then you can, you know, people are transacting and broadly like Robux, it, Robux was to the gaming community. This could be the Napster token is for the music community. That, that opens up a lot of things that have been restrictive, um, you know, on the payment side, which again is another way for artists, which we won't want to do to have a livable wage um, and be able to earn an income uh, without having to just depend on streaming or or touring three, 365 days a year. Yeah, and you're making the whole process transparent, but simple at the same time, so artists can be artists, and you know, contributors can be contributors. Um, right. One of the things, one of the things we talk about a lot is um, is we as the patrons of specific social networks. Actually, we are the batteries. We are the product. Um, now, in this new world that we're seeing being developed, especially with the, the the whole new Napster world, is, you know, we're now contributors. We're now kind of partners in some sense. And the tokenization of, of the economics will just help things keep everything fluid. You don't have to be an accountant. You don't have to be a lawyer. You can just join right in and kind of get to work that's right and i think on the curation as well so um you know i had different startups prior to to roblox around interest graph um and empowering curate you know us all to be creators and curators uh to help discovery so i think what happened unfortunately with some of the streaming services a lot of that curation got held at the corporate level so curation for music being playlists um so i think historically one of the great things again in the earlier years is if I'm a fan of Matt or I'm a fan of Rich and you're a DJ or my local record shop or who, whoever it is that I'm leaning towards for um, advice and guidance for whatever my art that I'm looking for is, in this case, music. I think that to, to rebuild and decentralize that curation um, within music is invaluable, where instead of having a few very powerful playlists, we can kind of reward the, the broader community to, if you have a great playlist and you want to invest in time, time doing that, maybe I could subscribe to your playlist and, and I can, and then you as an individual curator can have a little industry, just be being a curator um, and not even being an artist. So I think, and that I think is great for music discovery um, and around those curated playlists, you can have community. So think of something I've been knocking around for a while is think of a visual playlist as opposed to just an audio playlist. So imagine you're doing a reggae playlist, but you do it in a, in a 3D space with the beach and 
you know, palm trees and, and your regular. So I think the opportunity again to uh, push creation out to the edges of the network, as opposed to kind of holding it at the, at the source is, is super interesting and just will be great for people connecting with other people that they might have, um, you know, an overlap with taste wise, um, kind of their taste mates or, uh, and, but then also rewarding that community for the great work they're doing. If they happen to have a hundred thousand people listening to their curated playlist, that could be a, you know, a, a, a job if you like. So it's, it's creating new mini industries, uh, even beyond artists where I'm making beats, I'm curating a playlist. I'm like helping you distribute your music. I'm like a virtual promoter. All of these in theory could be rewarded and, and, uh, and people could earn, you know, depending on kind of the gig economy, a little bit here and a little bit here, which I think is great. So it's getting people invested in the community to again, see music, um, not as just a background experience, which I think for a lot of people it's be become, it's like that for the kids, it's chilled cow. I'm listening on YouTube and <laughs> it's just in, in the background, but, but being much more of a lean in, um, participatory experience and a social experience, which is, we know, growing up, um, you know, is what it should be. So. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, John, I, I guess the, what we'd love to know is what do you think are going to be the primary channels where artists are profiting at this point? There are so many different ways with web three where artists can profit. What do you think are going to be the main ones? So I, I think the obvious ones, are collectibles, um, in some form or fashion. So that could be a access collectible where, you know, I, I, I get something and I get to connect with the artists in an interesting way, sort of access, access tokens, um, actual collectibles, which could be music or, or art related to the artist. Um, so anything I think that, that gives me access maybe to a, a virtual event or, or, or concert. So kind of small ticket transactional, uh, items, which could be any of those, I think will be the, the main first area to open up. Uh, and if you look at the 15 billion or so that was spent last year in, in quote unquote NFTs, um, a tiny percentage of that supposedly has gone to the music industry or to artists. So we think that doesn't necessarily make sense. And if there was a place where there, it was easier for artists, they weren't scared by the word NFT, it wasn't complicated, but they could come together with existing fans and it would, it would be more a dollar, $2, $5, as opposed to thinking that it's this, you know, I've got to get this for 10,000 and 20,000. Is, is that not for me? Um, we think it's logical that some percentage, a percentage, 3%, 5% of that 15 billion, you know, should go towards artists. So we think that's a natural first area to, to move to. And the logic being, if I put a gun to your head and said, name 10, you know, new digital artists, you know, you might die. But if I said name <laughs> 10 music artists, I think everyone knows. Uh, yeah. Um, I would die. So, um, so yeah, so it, it feels logical with millions of artists with thousands of fans, but that should be able to carry a collectible access, which is basically going back to the notion of fandom. So that feels like the obvious first place to start, um, access to kind of virtual fan clubs or virtual experiences or kind of collectible, um, items that you, you would want to have. Um, and again, not too dissimilar from the old days of a of a you know, release vinyl or, or then it was a download, um, but just being able to play it again in, a, in an integrated manner where it's not kind of over here and you have to join something new, but it's within an experience that you're already used to, to getting everything you, you get in the current world. It's funny you bring up collectibles. I'm thinking of my childhood and my concert going days. And, you know, I've, I made it a habit of collecting ticket stubs. I have most of them from when I was a kid. 
Um, I'll have to do something cool with that. But yes, fantastic collectibles. Um, Jonathan, thank you so much. We know you have to run. This has been a wonderful discussion. Uh, we hope to have you on again and continue the discussion and uh, push further into new worlds. So it is a brave new world for Napster and for uh, music fans. So thank you. No, no, I appreciate having me. And I, and I think we're also, we announced Napster Ventures. So we're also looking to invest in the space and potentially do some uh, some acquisitions. So yeah, it, I think it's an exciting time to bring um, the market a little bit more into the mainstream and catch up with gaming. So appreciate you guys doing all the unpacking. Thank you. And uh, yeah, look forward to coming back again soon. <laughs> we'll keep unpacking. <laughs>